Hey, welcome to Locked On Bruins, our fourth episode. He is Nick Cope. I am Brian Fenley. You can hang out with us on Twitter. Nick, his Twitter is NKOOP, and I'm at Brian Fenley. And if you want to continue the conversation as well with our Locked On Bruins Twitter handle, yes, we are official and we do have that. So any complaints, any gripes, any compliments, you're more than welcome to join us on social media. Now, as far as what is on the docket for tonight's show, we are going to discuss the running backs beside Joshua Kelly because there is a a stable of running backs who will have to carry some sort of load because you know Joshua Kelly cannot do it all by himself. We also will expound upon the offensive line. There's not a lot of turnover. We've got four returning starters from last year, but there's one spot that remains open Who is going to take that spot at the left tackle position? We will discuss. But first, Nick, let's get right into the running backs. Joshua Kelly, the darling of the ball carriers for UCLA, the only upperclassman on scholarship as far as a running back for UCLA. That opens the door for a lot of underclassmen. And when you think of them, you think of Speed, Kazmir Allen, Martel Irby, Two guys that are going to probably get sizable roles in the offense this year. Yeah, Casimir Allen just burst onto the scene. He was actually second on the team in rushing last year thanks to that 74-yarder against Cincinnati in the opener, taking it to the house. Had some kind of nagging injury trouble last year that prevented him from getting in more gains. And then I think once Josh Kelly emerged and demonstrated that he could handle a large workload, Casimir Allen kind of took a, a back seat. Still a very exciting player, though. And then Martel Irby was really kind of the, the guy to come in for Joshua Kelly and get those hard yards in between the tackles. You know, He had a modest 4.2 yards per carry, but that was a lot of hard running. And while Joshua Kelly was involved with a lot of off-tackle runs, a lot of pulling guards, pulling tackles, trying to push things towards the outside, Irby a few inches shorter and a little stouter than Joshua Kelly. He was the guy kind of sneaking through the middle and became that go-to guy when Joshua Kelly needed a rest. Casper Allen recently, quote, I feel a lot more comfortable. He said, quote, I know last year coming into the summer, I was a bit nervous, but I am solid now. Coaches love to hear that. He is healthier. And I found this absolutely fascinating. So as far as his commitment to UCLA, his favorite player growing up, Casimir Allen, was DeAnthony Thomas. And of course, Thomas played at Oregon under Chip Kelly. And Thomas was this multidimensional running back, also a punt returner, and just brought this elite speed. Allen, as a kid, would select Oregon as his team in video games and then would envision himself being Thomas in the video game, NCAA football rests in peace with that game. But that was a big reason for why Allen chose UCLA with what Thomas was able to mold into as a running back under chip Kelly. That certainly interested Allen. And here he is. Now, looking to, yeah, as you said, Nick, overcome some nagging injuries, had a fantastic season opener against Cincinnati, rushing for over 100 yards. But other than that, didn't see much of him throughout the season. 
And so there's a lot left to be desired for this rising sophomore. That'll be interesting to see how he kind of fits in here because I feel like he's a guy you could you could split out wide, you know, put put him on the edge. You could bring him in on jet sweeps, uh, get him the ball in space, get a couple blockers out there and see what he can do. I think your concern is he is a little bit slender of a guy. That's how he's able to be so fast. You worry about him getting too banged up running the ball inside. Uh, so I think passing downs are going to be a big opportunity for him. Whatever can get him the ball in space is going to allow Casimir Allen to explode this season. Martel Irby is another guy that Nick and I had mentioned, and he was more durable and Last last season, of course, played every single game as a reserve running back. Also got into some special teams action. Ran for a season high of 47 yards against Stanford and was a little bit involved in the passing game. But if you think about the stats and his progress. So the first five games he got carries last year, he had a total of 93 yards on 29 carries, which is just about three yards or so per Per carry, And then the last three games of the season when he got a, a handoff, he ran for 94 yards in 18 attempts. So that's more like six yards per carry. And that seems to show not only is he feeling more comfortable, obviously the offensive line is feeling more comfortable, but I, I like his trajectory, Nick. I think that he reminds me of... A Trent Richardson. Now, let's not go Trent Richardson in the AAF here, but when he was at Alabama, and in fact, Martel Irby described Trent Richardson as his favorite player that he idolized growing up and just sort of a low center of gravity and a guy who can take a hit and just kind of repel off of tacklers. Yeah, Irby's a guy who you're not really worried about him getting hurt. He just you know, he's going to absorb contact and he's going to pop right back up and be ready for the next play. I wonder, too, those numbers you threw out and how things improved at the end of the year, how much of that was maybe because of Joshua Kelly sort of wearing down defenses. And then when Kelly got tired, it was Irby who came in and was able to keep pounding defenses a little bit. I think Irby will probably be the number one option you see come in uh, whenever Joshua Kelly ne- needs a break from the action. Irby's just a really solid runner. He's only a sophomore. So this is potentially the guy looking to 2020 and 2021. This is potentially your guy going forward. And he flipped late from Arizona to the Bruins when Chip Kelly was assembling his first recruiting class at UCLA. And when Rich Rodriguez got fired in Tucson, it prompted Martel Irby to have a change of action with where he wanted to go, and he found a great home at UCLA. You look through Irby's Twitter, and he's been posting a lot of videos of training in the sand, so you're going to expect maybe that quick twitch footwork is at a level beyond belief. And he also, fascinating to note, is quite the artist, and he's got a new beat out called Feels by Tell, and it's up on SoundCloud. All of his teammates pretty much have been retweeting this thing. And I'm going to say this. He's got some talent, man. Once his football career wraps up, 
we're going to hear him on the radio. We're going to hear him producing some beats. He's got some serious skill. Yeah, he's he's got a feel for things between the tackles, you know, in the trenches. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I love it when guys have their sort of vice outside of sports. It's usually a good sign. They've got that ability to release, and th- that allows them to then kind of come back and, and refocus on something like football. It is so contrasting to the norm that you think that Irby and Allen, Casimir Allen, have this incredible bond. Because when you think about these two guys, they are basically competing for playing time, both of them. And whether you're in a job where you're competing with somebody, a lot of times it's not always the friendliest of relationships, right? But these two battle for playing time, and they're the closest of friends. I think this is an uplifting dynamic, and it's anti-toxic culture, and it's why they are so set up to be successful. You know, they call each other like family, and that they have no animosity towards one another, and that they just want to push each other to their limits. And that way, they get the best out of one another, and that they hold each other to a high, a, the highest of standards. And I just think that it's so encouraging to hear that because so often when you have such a pressure to get the playing time and you've got somebody right next to you who wants what you want, and it's so easy sometimes to be a little salty and to be a little gruff, but to think about the overall picture – that it's not just about me and my playing time, but it's about the team as a whole. And if we work together, we can be even more successful. That's really the overriding culture that we've seen emerge from this team over the last year. It's whatever it takes to win. I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. I'll, I'll play here. I'll do special teams. You need me just on this play. That's fine. We, how many times have we heard from these guys? Whatever it takes to win, whatever's needed of me, whatever the coaches want, I'm there. I'll do it. Bang, let's let bang, let's let's do this. And so when people get so concerned about the number of transfers from the program, if they don't it's not no not so much about like it's that you weren't a good fit. And again, we don't know everybody's situation, but if they left the program, they didn't maybe, this is just a conjecture, feel that sense of of unity with this system. And so you want your guys, like you want people to play for you who want to be here. So there shouldn't be this concern or this like what is going on with the program when they have so many transfers or people leaving because in the end of the day, you want people who want to be there who – aren't going to complain, who aren't going to feel like they're not utilized correctly. And it's just about building that culture, Nick, that you described that creates success because so much of what the culture is is what translates to results on the field. And there is one other running back who I wanted to bring up, and he was someone who was lightly recruited out of high school, Keegan Jones. And, and Joshua Kelly calls Keegan Jones, quote, a human joystick. He is raw, he is fresh, and he is learning the speed of the game. That has been his biggest adjustment. But looky here, he 
was a track star in high school. And I got to bring this up, Nick. So Keegan Jones signed at Navy. Several weeks in, he's like, you know what? This is not where I want to be. So the program granted his release. And not only did they grant his release, but one of the Navy assistant coaches sent Jones's highlight video to other FBS programs. I mean, you talk about class. Somebody says, I don't want to be there. And you help them find the next spot. Because how often have we seen coaches in the past block players from transferring? Lincoln Riley holding quarterback Austin Kendall hostage, so to speak, blocking his transfer to West Virginia after the Sooners picked up Jalen Hurts. And Oklahoma, mind you, is is one that benefited from in-conference transferring when Baker Mayfield went from Texas Tech to the Sooners. So I just think that it's really admirable for a school, especially a service academy, to be about the person and not just about the wins and the losses. There was a lot there to unpack, but you, really, you know the you know you know the first thing really that that clicked for me was you, there was Navy mentioned early on, and then you you used admirable, and I got admiral going on. I thought there was some long con of a pun that you were putting in there, but that you know that, that that's awesome though uh, that Keegan Jones got some help and he found his way here, and another speedster to add to this mix, and he got a lot of work in, in spring too. Yeah, Nick, you wouldn't put it past me to think of, of some sort of no. <laughs> twist or some sort of, like you said, metaphor that I spent hours thinking about. But we move on, and we are not done talking about ball carriers, but what we've seen in this latest recruiting class is perhaps the addition of the fullback position. We are going to break down some new faces that aren't your traditional speedsters that could play a role and a big factor in Chip Kelly's offense. That's coming up next. Thank you so much for joining us on Locked On Bruins. We are pleased to have you. This is Nick Cope. I am Brian Fenley. You can catch us on Twitter. For Nick, it's N-K-O-O-P. And I'm at Brian Fenley with a Y. Yeah, one of the few that spells it with a Y. And if you want to join us, as well, you can follow our Twitter handle for our show. It's Locked On Bruins. So we are here for you. Hang out with us on social media and show us your passion for Bruin athletics. So we spent a majority of this last segment talking about the speedsters in, in the running game besides the, the king, so to speak, of the ball carriers for UCLA and Joshua Kelly. Now, what we have seen here in this latest recruiting class is perhaps the implementation of a fullback in the future at UCLA. And Nick, it seems like not only was Chip Kelly recruiting the the Casimir Allens, the track stars, but he had a another goal in mind when you look at some of the other big-bodied ball carrier, carriers he brought in. Yeah, there's a few freshmen that are definitely a little bit bigger. They're taller than other guys on the team. You've got uh, Jamon McClendon coming in. He's at 6'1", 200. Uh, Christian Grubb at 5'10", 180. He's a little undersized. But then you've got Dusty Mitchell, 6'2", 220. He's a guy who's played primarily as a linebacker at defensive end. Maybe he'll be on that side of the ball a little bit. We've seen guys in this program switch sides. 
kind of the big guy, too, in addition to Mitchell, is Sidaveni Kafusi. He's out of Punahou in Honolulu. They're consistently the best high school team in Hawaii. He was rated the number one fullback in the country. He, too, was initially committed to Navy, signed with Army, and then UCLA swooped in, got a visit. It got him uh, to flip his commitment all within 48 hours. The service academies, uh, more to your point from earlier, they will let you kind of no questions asked back out of your NLI if you would like to. So that is how he was able to quickly go to UCLA. He's 6'2", 261 now, adding about 25 pounds since high school. He's listed at a running back. We'll see if he morphs into sort of this fullback, flex-back type position. But he's also got experience on the other side of the ball, too, playing some linebacker. Uh, So really curious to see if this emerges from anything. And maybe it's just a thing where you get these guys in the program as freshmen, try to mold them into something. And maybe this is something more down the road or maybe just a little wrinkle to throw at teams a couple times a game, Uh, but definitely something to keep an eye on throughout the year for sure. Jamal McClendon is another youngster who is more of a bigger bodied ball carrier, 6'1", 211, a San Diego guy. He actually flipped his commitment from San Diego State to UCLA, and he's a guy who's hailed for his ability to bounce off tacklers. And when he was asked about why he departed from SDSU and then ventured to UCLA, he said, look, the Bruins, just a better opportunity. And he said that playing in the Pac-12 was a big deal for him. Academics, the facility, also a big thing. And we have seen this as a common trend, Nick. Players that come to UCLA have such a high standing as far as their academic IQ and that it's not just about football. Like, you're really good at football, but they all seem to feel the need to come to UCLA for the well-rounded human being that they want to be because it's going to be a time in your life when football is not going to be your livelihood and you've got to find other ways to, to make it. So McClendon... His junior year, Nick, rushed for nearly 2,500 yards and 40 touchdowns. So he has the speed, but he also has the size. And on his Twitter profile, he writes, quote, eat or be eaten. And I'm not exactly sure how to decipher that, but if I am a defender and he's got that bulldog mentality, I want to get out of his way, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, and I, th- I think really what you see here with all these big bodies coming in, and Joshua Kelly's kind of a big guy himself. He's six foot two ten. He's not your 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 shorter, stouter running backs that you see at 5'8", five, 5'9", five, from time to time. You know, running back's a position that can get banged up, and you want to have reinforcements ready to go. And so Chip Kelly this year, maybe we don't see a ton of these freshmen, but they're going to get – Lots of reps in practice, going to be on scout team, and they're going to be able to have an opportunity maybe later this year, next year. The The point is Chip Kelly's got options. He's got all different kinds of running backs and potentially fullbacks at his disposal to work with this year. So these are guys that just kind of, you know, put them in the back of your mind, 
you know, and, and don't be surprised if you see one of them come in and make an impact at some point this season. And all in all, all of these running backs who are going to be looked at as the supporting cast to Joshua Kelly, they have the best role model to look up to in Joshua Kelly. I mean, can you think of a better human being on earth than Joshua Kelly? You know how talented he is on the football field, how humble he is in life. Nick, you've had so many chances to speak with him and just how much he oozes optimism and how he's a cheerleader to the rest of his players and how there's no negative bone in his body and how he wants everyone to succeed. So I have to hearken back to what Martel Irby said about Joshua Kelly in that there is no better person for them when talking about the whole arsenal of running backs to look up to, to Joshua Kelly. So these youngsters in the ball carrier realm have to do their due diligence and observe and study the habits on and off the field of Joshua Kelly. And if you do that, you're on the fast track to success. Yeah, it's great that you have, you know, when you think of building for the future, you have a guy like Joshua Kelly there, and then behind him, it is all underclassmen to absorb the uh, the sort of, you know, the, the feel, the positive vibes that Joshua Kelly gives off. Absorb those while you can, and then hopefully everyone else can keep that mentality going forward. Um, you know, Joshua Kelly, just a great guy. Everyone enjoys talking to him and you always feel good when you finish talking with him. Yeah. Yeah. And Joshua Kelly being this eternal optimist, what a guy to have in the, in the locker room, what a guy to have in the huddle when you're trailing in a game and some of the guys, their body language is, is one where they feel distressed. They feel despair. They feel like they can't win this game. And then in comes Joshua Kelly, a ray of sunshine to tell his players, we got this. We can still win this game. I think that his effect on this team is something we cannot even begin to quantify because of how many different ways he influences the rest of the culture and the program. All right, coming up, there is one vacancy on the offensive line with Andre James departing to the NFL. Someone perhaps an underclassman is going to have to take that left tackle spot coming up. Nick and I will discuss potential players who could saddle up at that left tackle position. Hey, welcome back to locked on Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. You can catch us on Twitter. Our show Twitter, the handle is locked on Bruins. Nick is on Twitter at N K O O P. I am on Twitter at Brian Fenley. That is Brian with a Y be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join us on social media for constant communication and constant dialogue about UCLA and what is going on within the program and not just football. We want to talk about all the different sports. And of course, we're getting close to basketball season in a few months as well. But for this final segment, we are going to center our attention on the offensive line. There are four returning starters, which is Fantastic when you think of consistency and you think of the upperclassmen that will be there. However, with Andre James departing to the NFL, that leaves the left tackle spot open. There are some pretty highly touted recruits 
who might fill that role, Nick, but we still at this point don't know. When you think about the group of potential replacements, where do you start? Well, I think it's really just down to two guys, honestly. It's going to be between Alec Anderson and Sean Ryan. I'd be surprised if someone else emerges to claim that spot. Uh, but you had Anderson playing in three games last year as a reserve against Arizona State, USC, and Stanford. You know, he kind of filled that role fine. It, there wasn't a ton of time to really get a sense of what he'd be like in that position full-time, but there were no glaring issues played there during the spring because Sean Ryan, the, the jewel of the 2019 draft class, did not enroll early, a four-star guy out of San Juan Hills and the number one offensive lineman in the state. Uh, so that's who's coming in to help compete for that spot. He's added a little bit of weight since his senior year of high school football. He's up to 327 from 311. I think the question is, you know, not about talent. I think everyone knows that this guy is going to be talented. Just how long will it take him to fit into everything? Everything we talked about last season with guys trying to figure things out. Sean Ryan's going to be put in that situation now. Is he a kind of guy, and maybe he is, who can just kind of ignore all the other noise and all the little things? Can he just zero in and get things down at left tackle and be able to slide himself right in there? Who knows? But those two guys, I think, are going to be that, – that's where the debate will be all fall camp. And fortunately, they will have some help all the way along the line to their right to help them settle in. And if we do see Sean Ryan, it it wouldn't be, like you said, Nick, out of the ordinary. It would be something that we could expect. Sean Ryan is multi-talented. He has been so lauded for his play as an offensive lineman, right? as Nick had mentioned, the jewel of this recruiting class, the number one offensive lineman in California coming out. But he actually does a lot of surfing and he grew up doing gymnastics. He's a shot putter and is heavily involved in rugby, has a passion for rugby. So I almost wonder how all of those different activities can make you a better football player. As far as surfing being balanced, gymnastics, your ability to be flexible, shot put, your power, and then rugby, just the ability to take a hit. Yeah, you know what a a lot of those early early sports you're telling me about, I, I think of balance, being nimble on your feet. Even in shot put, you know, that you're having a quick, violent motion where you're contorting your body, spinning it around. You have to stay balanced or else all that power doesn't mean anything. Uh, so I, I love hearing that, that he's got all of these different experiences because you're going to be tested at the left tackle spot with the best guy the best edge rusher every single week and you need to be quick on your feet not only do you need to have that strength in your legs in your upper body but you got to be able to keep your balance and move your feet quickly and that's why sean ryan is expected to do big things and even if sean ryan does get the starting spot i think you had alluded this to this earlier, Nick, that Alec Anderson is going to get a lot of playing time. In one way or another, he will see the field. And last year, he benefited highly from being tutored under Andre James. And Anderson, during spring ball, was asked about James leaving, and, and Anderson was almost shocked. He, he said, like, I wasn't prepared 
for this. I thought he was going to come back. And he said that he is certainly ready to take on this position if he has the opportunity presented to himself. But he didn't see Andre James leaving as early as he did. But when you look at the rest of the offensive line, Nick, to kind of close out this show, I know Chip Kelly and fans might be a little bit nervous about the lack of depth. They have a lot of pieces, a lot of guys, but scholarship guys, I know they want more of them, and I know they will focus on that later on in the future. But right now, as far as a healthy offensive line, they are going to be as good as can be in the conference. But I know fans are going to be a little bit worrisome about, God forbid, somebody goes down with an injury. Yeah. I mean, maybe the best spot to have an injury is the left tackle spot because you have potentially two capable guys there in Ryan and Anderson. Yeah, you go on down the list, look at guys who are going to be there as potential backups. It's all freshmen, redshirt freshmen, maybe the occasional redshirt sophomore, and a lot of walk-ons and you know offensive lines as we uh, we saw last year with Justin Murphy. You know, guys can get hurt, um, so you certainly hope that's kind of. When, when you worry about injuries with this team, that's immediately the position group you go to this season. It's the offensive line, and you know, fingers crossed that things can stay healthy if you're a Bruin fan. And this wraps up the episode. We will have more Locked on Bruins tomorrow where we will look back at what Chip Kelly is saying during fall camp. That has started. Players have not had the opportunity to have media availability, but we'll be able to react to what Chip Kelly has said so far and get his diagnosis of how things are looking out there, Nick. So that's going to be something fun to look forward to. Yeah, players are finishing up uh, exams for their summer courses. Uh, So that'll wrap up on Friday, and we'll be able to hear from them starting on the weekend. And we'll hear from them, I think, most practices. And you get to hear from Chip Kelly every couple practices throughout fall camp. Um, So excited. That camp is here and just four weeks out from the start of the season. Four weeks out. We are getting closer. He is Nick Cope. I am Brian Fenley. Catch us on Twitter. And our show Twitter, again, is Locked On Bruins. Leave a comment. Get involved with us on social media. Spread the word about this daily podcast as we are inching closer to the start of football season. We'll catch you here on the podcast tomorrow.